Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of Saddest Night Out. My name is Roy, I've pressed record, so away we go. It's going to be a brief intro to today's episode because there's a pretty in-depth conversation that awaits you. So I've mentioned in recent episodes that I've been rehearsing at Caffrey Studios with Sean and his band. Caffrey is spelled K-A-F-R-I. And those rehearsal studios are really close to Hoxton Overground Station. The last time I was there, Sunday the 31st of March, we needed to borrow a cable that could connect an MP3 player or a phone or something to the desk so that we could listen to an MP3 file from a phone through the PA. In going to borrow the cable from the guy who runs the place, Sydney, he started talking to us about some of his history there. And it sounded interesting, but it also sounded like, unfortunately, we didn't have the time to get into it because we were you know, paying for time in the studio, had to, get, had to get back to our rehearsal and so on. But I was curious to find out more about him. So today's episode is me talking to Sidney Andrelino. He is the director, the owner. He is the man with the plan as far as Caffrey Studios is concerned. Now... With the open mics, we have a new open mic starting tomorrow night at the Nelson's Pub, which is also, which is about a walking distance from Caffrey Studios, also a walking distance from the Reliance, also a walking distance from Seabright Arms. It's really, I've never really paid that much attention to this side of East London, but thanks to this podcast, I'm really seeing more of it. So yesterday evening, Tuesday evening, I went to the Nelson's to make sure our equipment was there and it was working. And then I walked up to Caffrey Studios on Laburnum Street. And if you want to, you can look on Google Maps and (laughs) follow my journey. And when I got there, I asked Sidney, if he wasn't too busy, I'd love to talk to him more about his history in London, how he came here and all that he's been through since he's been here. And that's what we get into in this conversation. It's almost an hour long and it could have easily been two hours. In fact, I was there almost another hour after I finished recording because the guy's got so many interesting stories. He's got such an interesting wealth of experience and this was barely scratching the surface. So this is me having an introduction to the man, the myth, the legend that is Sidney Angelino. It's funny in places. It's bleak in places. It casts a rather dour look at the future of this side of things in the music industry but as anyone who's worked in middle management will tell you you know you're never really meant to say that there are challenges you're meant to say they are opportunities and going forward that's what I hope to come across through this podcast I talked to him a bit more after I finished recording this conversation and explained a little about the the somewhat mission statement of this podcast, this project, etc., and how part of what I'm trying to do is humanize people like Sydney, elements in this whole industry that can often go underlooked. Maybe if I can put a face to it, maybe if I can put a person behind that role, people might care a bit more about what's going on here. Sydney tells us about how he's been, he's had this rehearsal studio for 11 years. I never had a clue. And I imagine there's a lot of people who are interested in music, maybe like me have been to see smaller bands, etc., but have no idea about this side of things. So hopefully this is a bit of an introduction for whoever's listening to this, to Sydney and all that he is about in London. So, once more, this is me talking to Sydney Angelino of Caffrey Studios. I don't think I'll put an outro to this because, yeah, the conversation's long enough. It's a long enough episode as it is. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, fingers crossed that the next tomorrow night's open mic goes well. The new one at the Nelsons, which is again near Hoxton Station. I've ca- I think it's I can't remember quite the name of the street, but you can look up the Nelsons and you'll find the place. Hopefully, I might get a chat with the guy who runs that place tomorrow. I'm hoping to get to tonight's open mic in Camden a little early so I can talk to some of those performers for tomorrow's episode. And I've just created the first guitar tabs for my songs to share with my band to see how that goes so things are happening and i'll keep you posted as each episode goes but enjoy this chat and i'll catch you on the next one take care i press record i'm inside the lobby area of caffrey studios and i'm here with one of the folks who runs this place so what's your name sydney angelino sydney how long have you been with this rehearsal studio Uh, i've been running the studio since uh, august 2008 
Oh, so you started it? Yeah, I started myself. Okay. Yeah, from scratch, this was the empty arch. Build all this, and um, from from this then to now, it's been in August to be 11 years. Congratulations! Yes, uh, I had a chance to meet some some big artists now, like Paloma Faith. Um, she's come here, Diana Davis as well. She used to come here, everything, everything as well. That's actually the wedding got signed. Um, <laughs> I met more. I used to have the guitarist of Prodigy as well. He's come here. Um, a few people in the on the on the number two or three on the chart, you know. Because uh, at the end of the day, yeah, Flo from X Factor. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, another big name. Uh, Flo is very nice person. As all of these people I mentioned, they're lovely people. Um, and they've all kind of crossed paths with you through this rehearsal studio. Yeah, they come because at the end of the day, before they become a super star or whatever it is, uh, they know one or uh, they trying to um, making music. Then the local studios, the football ones, they um, that's where they go to. Yeah. And um, you know, and when they get signed from here. It's not because they move from here to a better studio. It's because labels do have deals with some studios, like the premises, the joints, uh, terminal studios. Um, just that, just because the premises been here since the eighties, and uh, joint studios not as long. But other studios, the terminal I understand because they got stage and. Uh, uh, but yeah, but those guys got deals. Those guys, they charge more money to any band just walking there, like if they know from a label to catch up with the rest. Uh, that's why they, that's why they get taken from here to the other, other studios just because of deal. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of bands here actually, that's why they used to write the songs. That. Uh, you know, it's not. It's not because you put, you've been signed now. Then, what they're gonna take you? Gonna write even better songs. It's just a. It's just a, not a choice. It's they so happy they've been signed, and they're so happy they had the chance, and they get moved to somewhere else where they don't have any control, where they got ch- charged more. And uh, as the labels call that, they say the wholesale price. It's mean between the label and the studio they get uh, uh, a good deal where they'll charge the artist more money because it's, they've got a sell price which is all politics in the yeah, business yeah, um, so what about you so when did you first come to London I came to London in 2002 moved from Paris you know I'm a uh, I grew up in Paris and grew up in Portugal as well uh, I'm a bit different because I didn't grow up in really music. I'm a sportive man. I grew up in basketball. Uh, when I moved here, I just uh, started out liking music and uh, for love of music. And um, I used to do security at Cargo as a doorman. And uh, I always wanted to learn sound engineering. And uh, I'm not a school person. I tried to go to school down in um, down the road. Um, and the Lambert College as well, but I could not get the, the um, I could not get, I never tried to spell but I d- didn't get as, as well what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, working at Cargo, uh, I met some lo- lo- uh, lovely people like Matt, Matt Smith, and uh, they gave me a chance to, to learn, which was great. Um, and from uh, learning from Matt, uh, I, 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 quite, I did learn a lot very quick and uh, after people come to see Matt or no come to see me after the after the, the gig and uh, saying they loved the, the mixing they were up with the all all the all stuff which I, I also didn't do nothing great but they were saying and they used to buy me drinks actually the, the managers the, the band's manager and Matt used to listen, Matt being on office, listen, all that. He's like, oh, Sydney, I'm sure you know you're ready to go. I'm like, man, I'm not ready, you know. It's like, uh, it's like, man, I'm not ready, man. These guys are just talking shit here, you know. They said, they said no, no. And um, Chris, one of uh, Cargo's, or oh, I say Cantaloupe Group owners, um, 
and uh, he came down to me and said, you know, yeah, man, you do a good job. And um, um, I, heard, I heard good stuff about you. Then you should start having your own shift. And um, that's where I started. I remember my first shift at Cargo. Wait, you so were, you were the door guy? You're the door man at Cargo? Yeah, door man at Cargo. You had an interest, so what did you... Did Matt kind of let you come in and yeah. start to learn a little bit, like apprentice type? Yeah, apprentice stuff. Just yeah. learn how things work. Yes. And you had a natural knack for it. Yes. That yes. people buying you drinks and complimenting yes, you. Yes, complimenting And me. so eventually you started just doing it yourself. So Matt wasn't tutoring you anymore, just you. Yes. Sound they, they, I just got a shift as right. any sound engineer at Cargo. Uh-huh. Then uh, I'll go there mm-hmm. and uh, from uh, two o'clock or whatever it is, you get there. I'll be on my own and uh, I'll do the, the shift on my own no mm. matter around to <laughs> no safety net <laughs> no, it's just you just me yeah. and I uh, remember the first days was a bit uh, scary because I don't have no one to turn back and say oh Matt no problem yeah then um, that's where the adventure started um, okay. I've done that for a year and a half and um, <clears throat> at the same time I had a friend of mine knew someone. He used to run a recording studio called uh, Tim Russell and uh, and Jason. Uh, he used to call Funky Banker Studios in Akram Road. Um, then uh, I went there and uh, spoke to Tim. Lo- very lovely guy. Also the best teacher ever. <laughs> I, I say Marty's the favourite one because mm-hmm. Marty really and Tim. But in terms of recording, Tim. Mm. And um, <clears throat> I remember when met him for the first time, the first thing they do is for make sure you don't feel like you going there, you're making them a favor. They showed a pile of CVs they were getting from people requesting to have a chance to be in the studio. Then mm-hmm. uh, that's what they show you first. And uh, I remember Tim, when they told me, Jason told me, look, I know my friend, a French friend, he said, that's why I got you first, because uh, I know him and, uh, you know. He vouched for you. So yeah, he vouched for me. And okay. so I, then I said to them, look, I'm not going to let you do it now. And, um, and uh, you know, as I was already getting paid, working as an engineering professional from cargo, then the soft, you know, and I'd, I already had a kid, I had my boy at the time. Then they, they, they took me more serious, you know. Then uh, I... So this is mid 2000s, like 2000. <clears throat> I mean, 2004 maybe, 2005. Yeah, um, I would say because what happened is when I stopped working, uh, well, doing the apprenticeship for fucking banker, mm-hmm. um, a few months when they closed down, and they realized actually they were, they were just running the um, the recording with the label, mm-hmm. but they will pay the their own artist to go to the rehearsal studio. Then that's why I said to myself, why don't you stop in one rehearsal studio? And they, they all sent to me. Okay. Then that's why the idea came from. And uh, again, working at Cargo, working in other places, I always had, uh, always talked to promoters, and uh, and they talked to promoters and the sound engineers there as well. And uh, one day at Hoxton Barry Kitchen, actually, I was talking to one of the sound guys, actually, I remember that, they said, People always keep asking about rehearsal studios, and I work for uh, was well at the time I was not working anymore for um, for um, for Funky Bank Studio. I said, I asked him, what do you think? Because he was a musician, I was not a musician. I never been to rehearsal studio before, and he was telling me, actually Sydney, um, I think it's a it's a very good idea, man. People need rehearsal studios. And uh, I found my friend Amish. Amish used to be the keyboard player for, for Paloma Faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and used to be the ex-boyfriend of Leonard Harvest. And, uh, and Amish said to me, yes, you know, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good, you know. Um, yeah, it should be. And me and Amish were supposed to open first, but I missed after that, I give up. I tried to get the people involved, but they give up. Then I said to myself, yeah, I'm gonna, already out there. I've already been checking for properties, but I found this one. Then I would say, I stopped for work for Funky Banker in 2007, I would say, because I've been this in 2008. I was even 2008, mm-hmm. you know, I said no work, internship, but uh, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say 2008, because I remember when Funky Banker Studios closed, I went pick up the doors. <laughs> I went pick up the doors from the live rooms. 
uh, to bring to here, bring here. <laughs> to bring here. I remember I went and get pick up the doors. Yeah. I actually brought them. I laid them here on the floor. Mm-hmm. And after that, Jason came back to me and said, "Shit, oh shit, man! I'm in deep shit. Now. I need to take the doors back oh, no. because I." It's like this: when you rent a place, if you do any work, you get some rent credit, which is some rent free. Mm-hmm. Then, when you have to leave, you have to leave uh, things the way. If the, if the landlord wants a thing the way it is, it has to be because he already give you the rent free. Okay. Then uh, the landlord won't take those those back. Ah. Yeah, he might be wanting to send uh, to rent as a recording studio to someone else because yeah. everything was there. Mm-hmm. Because all the only thing, the only things they could have. They could take is just the the desk or whatever is them. Yeah. Then I um have to give the doors back to Jason <laughs> and uh, like oh, fuck because even the design we had for the studio it was with those doors we have to redesign everything. Then oh. uh, that's the story and with that that end and after that I opened this um, in August 2008. Then I'd say I left thank you. Funky Bank in 2007 because when I spoke to the landlord, I remember it was in April or, or, or March 2008, and only got the keys in August 2008. Then I'll say, yeah, it was that around that time. And uh, so you said you found this place. It was an empty arch right right. underneath the London Overground, like train tracks. When I moved here, mm-hmm. no train was running yet. Yeah. Right. Then it was empty. So it was just arches. Just arches. Mm-hmm. Some, not even a shutter, not even a door. Somewhere open. People used to squat these places before. Right. Then uh, when the Olymp- in, um, UK won the Olympics to, mm-hmm. to, to have the Olympics here, mm-hmm. then TFL was invicted a lot of people. And uh, some of people, they went to court this. They have to give them a cheaper rent. Mm-hmm. You know, then TFL, at the time I moved here, some of the arches didn't even have toilet. Not even talking about the doors, they didn't even have toilet, yeah? Wow. When I moved to in, actually I took the first arch there. They were just about they were just installing the toilet. They just leave, leveled the floor, they were installing the toilet, yeah? Wow. That was that's that's what these places used to be. No one was interested in arch. Arch was arch was just for garage and uh, for storage. But no business would come in here, part of that. For us, rehearsal studios, we cannot be in buildings, only commercial buildings, mm-hmm. because of the, the base and because it shakes the walls, and then yeah. uh, uh, it would be a problem. Then the arches would be where we wouldn't have the problem. Yeah. But we didn't have the trains, didn't run at the time. So when did the train start, the, this uh, TFL, this overground train? When did that? 2012. Oh, okay, so around the time of the Olympics, yeah, Olympics that's when this line the Olympics, started. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This used to be. This used to. They, this line used to run twenty years ago. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, they stop, and after that was empty, mm-hmm. and uh, they reopened this line only because of the Olympics. Okay. And uh, that's why this line was open because we didn't have no trains before. Right. And uh, then that's what you started. This, 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 this was not um, a desirable. Um, Hackney, if you know Hackney very well, Hackney used to be a party place where you find a lot of drugs and uh, uh, all musicians and artists and art people, fashion would be in Hackney because Hackney was just close to the city mm-hmm. and it was very cheap, Hackney, because. It's now, it was like a dodgy area. In the mm. night time, in Friday, Saturday, you see drug dealers walking down, um, drunk people and um, beggars everywhere. So this is in the 2000s? Uh, before, I mean, we're talking about 2000, before 2000 even, oh, no, I'd say 2000, when I moved here, it was already happening in 2002, 2003, 2004. Mm-hmm. They only change it when the Olympics came in. They have to clear up the area. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's London for you. Yeah. When you see London now, where what it is, surely, surely it was not what it is now. Yeah. Now it's a rather trendy place people want to they, go to. But... They, they took the dodgy people, or whatever you want to say, the dealers, mm. and uh, they took them out, and they put uh, they brought some rich kids and uh, other type of people here. That's why there is a lot, a lot of robbery in the Hackney because they didn't clear up all Hackney. They just brought some rich people, but uh, they still uh, 
there is some ghettos around yeah and uh, and that's what uh, that's why people even get robbed more because before people didn't have that much then uh, now people have more now there's rich uh, people here that you yeah, can rob so yeah, much rob, more crime uh, and, but the bad guys not all went because mm. uh, you could because as you see they did develop some uh, buildings but they left yeah. some states yeah yeah they then they left some states in other those states there is some rough kids there and uh, that's then uh, that's acne for you I mean uh, it looks now what it is but before if you are an artist you're in very low budget at that time people believe in music people who practice they believe then yeah hackney would be the the place affordable and this yeah. and that that seems to be the case like the artists tend to go where it's cheaper to live yes and that's where something happens yes. so when you first came here and it was just an empty husk mm. how long did it take to go from being empty to being what it is now uh, the problem is um, as anyone in, in the business if you're a starter you make a lot of mistakes yeah I, understand. I, ma- I made a lot of mistakes I this is TFL TFL has to operate via some rules when I got to play the keys I find some builders but we're not allowed to build until we've got all the paperwork TFL wanted okay. but uh, actually I could have started but after I could have present the papers but what's too late then the builders now they find another place they have to juggle between both you All see right. uh-huh. then they went up to be three months late and after that uh, I, I was having problems with the other side because it's an elder house mm-hmm. there is some there is a gentleman there who was a B um, he didn't like too much music and musicians then he's complaining for no reason that drag gone and they had to close down and uh, and after that one I one of the mistakes is anyone up in a business, if you got neighbors around you, mm-hmm. yeah, don't, it doesn't cost you nothing to go present yourself. Yeah. Very nice and explain what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they get to know what you're doing. Invite them to the place for them to see and to be relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got a elder house. The other, the other side is no elder house, no more people. They don't care, they can see, but mm-hmm. if you go elder house, or if you go some people who don't like too much you, forever is, then just go have a chat with them. If they make a complaint, go have a chat with them. When I did this, stop all the fight I was having for three months. Okay. So yeah. once you introduced yourself to the neighborhood, they... Now, just to that certain person who okay. was giving yeah. me the headache, we have a chat and uh, because before I moved in there were already problems here between the neighbors this side and the neighbors other side mm-hmm. but the landlord said to me no he's all good he lied to me yeah you know but uh, never been written again <clears throat> that's one something very important as well is whatever you've been told or whatever you agree is be it's good to be writing because as you can prove in court absolutely uh, I didn't do these kind of things I made a lot of mistakes but in business I can tell you, it's better you start very bad mm-hmm. and you make your way through because uh, don't forget, it was a credit crunch at the same time. Yeah. Then uh, I went uh, through a lot of bad things happened at the same time and was through the credit crunch. When mm-hmm. a lot of people, actually, my neighbors before were here, uh-huh. people I keep asking, You still open? <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> yeah. people thought I was going to go down. I thought I was going down. Yeah. I said to myself, I'll battle until it goes, because mm-hmm. I don't want to say if I knew. No. Okay. I put myself via, through the, the hell, uh-huh. and I went through. You know, I could yeah. have given up, but I didn't give up. I went through to the other side of the, the tunnel. Um, and hey, 11 years almost. So yeah, 11 years. It and paid off. Like my landlord told me last time, he said, um, you keep seeing people come and go, you know, yeah. when we thought you were the first one you'd have got, you know, because I was going through so much, much trouble. Because you, when you, one thing is very important, if you start having neighbors complain about your noise, then you're in deep trouble mm-hmm. there because yeah. uh, council doesn't care. Council just cares about who complains. It doesn't care about if it's a business or not, if you employ people. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, there's complaints, that's it. They want to... That's it. Yeah, they'll close them. you down. They've done that to restaurants. They, they've been there before. Even people been before some other people. Mm. This this really where where sometimes 
you know that if because someone else complained then they, you know the other one has to pay the price yeah you know, it, it, it's something London should have changed. I don't know. I've heard they will change some rules or laws and bad things like that, mm. because uh, some venues been before some people flats and people move into the flats, and they have to be through hell just to keep themselves there. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd, uh, I'd say people love to complain here, and uh, I think as the the demographic around it has changed to people from higher incomes mm. I think they're more used to if things aren't exactly how they like it they get straight on the phone start complaining this and this mm. and this uh, I'd say the high income actually they more um, they more relaxed actually oh, they're, so they're ready around, because okay. they brought off a lot of uh, uh, how we call them the young professional the young ah. professional what's happened they took the dodgy guys out, they brought the young professionals in. Mm-hmm. And the work professionals, that's the one who can afford all these rents. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's, yeah, you have to afford those cra- cra- crazy rents. Uh, musicians cannot afford those rent. Well, none of them can afford the rent. The artists who used to try to get those free times, work less, but have a lot of free times to invest in your music, mm-hmm. invest in the arts, yeah. then those people could not afford. And those people have to move to Hackney Week, Hackney Central. Yeah. Like, more back, they go in Leighton and they start making their move Further there. away from Central London. Yes. Yeah. As an artist, as you know, a bit of free time is very important for you to, um, to be creative. Absolutely. You know, you don't want to come out of work, feel tired and sit down and to do what you like. It's very hard because you're tired already, yeah. you know? And, uh, yeah, the rent was cheaper, and uh, I mean, London is changed. I mean, it is. Uh... <laughs> Speaking of, so you've been here, you've lived here since what, 2002, 2003? Yeah, 2002, yeah. 2019. Mm. You've talked about some of the changes and how the Olympics was a big agent for change in the city. Mm. People starting in music back then, and people starting in music now, because I imagine. When someone's starting out in music, your rehearsal studios are one of the early ports of call. You are one of the... Mm. Once they're getting serious about it, you're the type of person they might encounter pretty early on because mm. they need somewhere to practice. I myself have met you because a friend of mine starting a band. Mm. We had our first practice together here at your rehearsal studio. Mm. Have you seen things change for artists in the city? I would say, for I'll, better or for worse? I'd say there is less bands. Uh, I'd say it's less people, it's less youngsters in bands these days. Uh, I, I had a band here, great funky band. They used to come here. The first time they actually came here, they were 15. Wow. Yeah, then um, they now 21, 22. The bass player actually he stopped playing music. He moved to Hong Kong to go work in a hotel. Wow. Chain, okay. yeah. Then I was speaking to to them here outside actually, and I tell him, even you, the 21, you don't believe. You already got more for the professional way. And uh, then what I'm gonna say about other people because I don't see you coming here. And uh, even him, he said, Sydney, we are one of the people, we're the rare bands now in London, a 21 who can play. Everyone won now make music at home with a mic and that's it you know then yeah. uh, I'd say as I describe music always it's about sinking but slowly but everyone knows it's sinking but everyone and trying to enjoy as much as lasting that's why I describe music because for me the musicians I had here for so many years that the ones still coming mm-hmm. you know as a that's a support. I meet some new people, they're still coming. But uh, I guess when the band's been told to bring people to the gigs, yeah, then the promoters are not doing their job as supposed to be promoting and motivate the bands. Then that's a big problem because you cannot be bringing your people, your friends, always to the gigs and make them paid and thinking. They're thinking uh, you cannot invite every week or every weekend. Then you can, you can people. What they're trying to do now is invite them every three months. Then if it's not a gig, people they don't come practice. Yeah. People just practice 
the ones already always play the same songs they um, might be just start if they go gig they come a month before they just practice a bit and they go to the gig and not stop you guys are different you guys just start a band from beginning from scratch you are uh, building your music but as you see you only come once a week it's not like um, those bands who come twice a week but that's rare because everyone now most of people they don't believe anyway and secondly not only don't believe we are getting well we are getting old as well yeah olders in terms of yesterday I had a band here mm-hmm. uh, did Joseph and uh, they my good they've been coming here for years very good clients and uh, and uh, now they all, they all are, they all got kids now yesterday wow. we all uh, we didn't see each other for a year then uh, and when they came back when they came back yes we were hugging each other like you're talking about babies you know <laughs> then uh, and i'm like oh boys and yeah i know how you're feeling now because yeah. my son is 14 already it's good sorry it's going to be 14 this year mm-hmm. in september my daughter is nine and they already go big big and i'm like oh you got little little boys little girls and they show me the picture that's what we are going to now yeah this is just uh, when we when they can they'll come and they play music but uh, as you know, uh, well, you don't have kids yet, but nursery is very expensive. Yeah. Maybe one of the parents has to stay at home to look after the kid more than the other one who earns more. Yeah. Because if you take a baby to nursery, you pay more money. Then that's what we are. Is, uh, as, we, as we grow, uh, the, the musicians were coming in for long. Some are getting married, some gone kids. And uh, a lot of bands actually go here. Now they're coming to play for weddings, actually. <laughs> you ah, know, because yeah. uh, their girlfriends get married and uh, they they play in a wedding. People like them. They wanted them to play another wedding. Then right. uh, I, I've got a lot of cover bands who come here. Then that's why it is. I mean, um, maybe one percent or two percent. I think they come here. They believe they can make it. But 98% don't be bad. They just do as as hobby, and I understand because, like I said, you wake up in the morning to go to work. You finish work. You have to, you know, you come and practice. From practice, you go back again, or maybe go to a pub a few drinks, and next day work. And after that, when you go gig, you have to be there on the gig. You have to book your tax or whatever. They cost you money the gigs. Yeah, and when you get there, you don't even get paid. You don't even get fed. No, even a drink. As you there, you have to spend more money, and after that, get the cab home. Yeah, all these adding costs include a rehearsal, just to make musicians a bit more poor, poorer. Yeah, so mean like out of pocket. Then, in the meantime, I get TFL telling me you want to rent, uh, uh, get my rent higher, and. Uh, TFL, they don't really care about the diversion. They don't care, oh, oh yeah, we've got rehearsal studio there, that's cool. Uh, maybe rehearsal business don't do well, but let's keep them there, you know, just to have a diversion. They don't care just about money. That's yeah. what they need, it's just about money. Uh, councils, they don't care as well, because they can point figure to TFL. But council could say, ah, rehearsal studios, uh, let's let drop the business right on them, because, you know, these guys are not doing yeah. too well. And uh, as everyone knows, music is not doing too well. But uh, business is business. They they need their money. I understand. And, um, but uh, all these rent, rent increases, and uh, a lot of people, less people coming to rehearsals. And actually, I I was doing something here, and uh, I had a conversation. Um, uh, one of my clients. He comes here when he got gigs as well. Mm-hmm. We are speaking to one of the guys helping me here time by time. And he said, uh, we do a share. We share a room. We share a place before the band. It's been happening for a while. It's been, it's been happening. But now it's become even more. Uh, people really want to share. And uh, everyone pays an amount, you know. Um, then, now, maybe one day need to go... When they need a gig or whatever it is, they need to something maybe big and more loud or whatever it is. So, or did they have the space and you know, they come to you 
and uh, another the other day as well another band said to me I said no look we'll practice in his in his house you know then when you need loud they'll come to you yeah. but what people they don't understand is um, um, if you come here if you, because you got a gig tomorrow or maybe you got a gig in a month you just start coming here uh, we need consistent money to come in to pay the rent yeah then what happened is you don't come here small studios we're going to close down because one thing is if i was to be up north when the rent is cheaper okay but i'm in a prime spot yeah where rent is my rent is three thousand pound a month then what's going to happen is just you just have to close and after that what what's going to happen to the bands is oh coffee is closed the other one is closed oh now we just have to go to the premises and you pay the three hours you pay here the premises you pay double of the price Wow. You know, then they're gonna have to pay the the, the big money. You yeah. Know? Then, um, I mean, I've not said they don't support uh, rehearsal studios, small rehearsal studios. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone has to look after his own pocket because True. if they don't have, yeah. which I understand, but uh, the consequence of um, in uh, all these kind of things, mm. um, we're just gonna close down one day. I mean, I, personally. Uh, with this rent increase, I don't know how, how far it's going to go, but I'm more than happy to close down, really, because um, when you run a studio like today, I've been here from 10 and I'm finishing midnight. I'm 15 hours in the studio. That's 15 hours taken from my own kids, you know, and I've been doing that almost for 11 years. Then for me, it's like, oh, Sydney, you want to run this business? And you always, you always struggle every day, at the end of every month. Um, these business are taking your time away from your own kids, your own family. That I'm like, being here for for the amount of money you make to survive, or rather just to do a nine to five or just work or whatever it is and make enough money to pay my rent, my bills. And I'm cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then that's what I'm saying. I I. Mentally, I'm already prepared for anything that comes from this uh, negotiation that goes. Um, if it goes, if the TFL won the 40%, because they were asking 10,000 more, then I think now they drop down a bit. But whatever they want, then I think they want 5,000 pounds more. Then um, I feel bad to go and ask the bands for the money because I, I see the situation, I see that no one is making money. I see they they just do a, they're just doing the best they can, you know. Yeah. Then um, I can propose to them and explain them what goes, but uh, at the same time go through all that. I rather even just close down and say, look, guys, you know. Then yeah. I'm very, but I, but I feel the other end. I feel bad because this a lot of bands who come have been coming here. They they always support me. They all been here for all these years. And let them down, you know. I feel bad for that. I've been feel bad for years for that because it's been a long time I wanted to, to leave. Because for me, it's like what I learned from the business is like you want a business where you're not on the edge. When you're on the edge, you're just gonna live under stress all the time. Yeah. And secondly, you don't want a business, you're gonna do 70 hours, 80 hours, 90 hours a week. You know, yeah. when you got small family, you have to, you have to uh, spend time with your kids and the family too. Because yeah. those, those times you cannot get them back. You see, you cannot get them back. You cannot buy uh, to go back on the time and uh, this and that. You know, was so, there a time? Because I think you're painting a very realistic picture of how things are now, which mm-hmm. is that money is a lot tighter just in general. Mm-hmm. So I think both you, the person running this place, and a lot of people who are using the place. They are all a bit, as you put it, they're kind of sinking, but sinking still. They're doing what they can. Mm-hmm. But like you said, a lot of them don't have the hope that they'll make it. It's just more of a hobby, more of a side thing. Mm-hmm. Was there a time to reverse the clock, going back to Neo when this started, say 2008, 2009? Mm-hmm. I feel as, I was a lot younger then, we all were. I was more the kind of person who get NME magazine. I was more a fan of these yeah. bands. And there seemed to be a lot more support for bands in London at that time. Was business booming or was it oh, yeah, busy sure, sure, yeah, it's booming, yeah. I mean to get a space here you have to you have to go three weeks in advance. If you don't get a space here, 
Wow. Yeah, it was three weeks in advance. So I supposed to have. I was when I was about to take the arch next door, because mm-hmm. I used to have five or ten people in a waiting list. Not ten, ten is too much. I say five people mm-hmm. in a waiting list. I supposed to take next next door and make more like a showroom, like a free stage, you know. And actually, when I was about to sign, is when the the cre- credit crunch really went bad. Then oh. uh, lucky I didn't sign. Yeah. Then uh, because when you sign, I still had to build again. It's not like I'm signing and. And uh, I just take the place. I have to sign it and spend another twenty thousand pounds to build the place. Yeah. Then I was locked up, pull out before I signed it because that's why the credit crunch came in. Everyone just went down it. So is that when you saw the first like massive decline? Yes, that that's when um, that's five years after two thousand eight or yeah five years because I remember I just. Um, so let me just check. You can check if there's someone outside? Yeah, sure. No, it's just a yeah, door. Uh, yeah, it's, what I'm saying is, um, I remember five years after opening this, I wanted to uh, already close. Yeah. Because the, the problem is, from being one of the busiest rehearsal students in London, to have all these five, six people every day in the waiting list, you know? Then to have no one in the waiting list, you know, yeah. and uh, and it was like scary, you know. But after that, things improved a bit, and um, and uh, yeah, since then I always wanted to to go because I saw, you know, after I improved it a bit, you know, and after that now we're back to the square square one again with these rents increases. Yeah. Um, so the future looks a little bit bleak. Well, hopefully, it sounds as though for you personally, whether this place keeps going or not, you you know you will look after yourself. You and your family will be okay. Mm-hmm. But as far as this rehearsal studio is concerned, your things might not be here too much. Depending, depending, things yeah, might not be. Me, me, the end might be nine. Me, to be honest, you maybe July will be the breaking point because um, I want to have to raise some uh, costs uh, to cover the rent. Yeah. Uh, not as much, not that much. Just, to, just, to, you know, just, to, just to cover that. Just to be fair, and I'll see how it goes. But uh, maybe July, maybe call a day, you know. And um, at the end of the day, you know, I don't think music you will improve more than it is now because we're not only going through. Um, music's not going through only the bad time, but the economy soon is going to go through a tough time the Brexit situation as well. Uh, all that uh, is already uh, is yeah. a pain in ass. I mean, I mean uh, I'd say, I mean, I, mean I, I feel sorry for the bands really and the, and the, the, the open coming and the youngsters as well because people are just interested to watch uh, the Rolling Stones and uh, the old guys. They don't want to, do <laughs> no one want to go watch a gig. <laughs> If it's an up-and-coming band, a young band, people they don't care. No. People, even if that band is great, and that band is playing covers, yeah. Even you, it's better you go playing, be a tribute band for Nirvana or Rams or whatever. You even pull more people to watch you than if you play your original yeah. songs. You know, <laughs> that, look, until the old boys they don't die, yeah. music don't wanna change because. People just care about just the old people. I understand people want to watch the last uh, before they die. But when these old boys, until these old boys don't die, man, this Rolling Stone tomorrow comes and say, I'll do the Ocho Arena. The tickets sold out tomorrow in a minute, yeah? yeah. And we're talking about 200 pound tickets, uh, minimum, yeah? yeah? Then you tell me, you put uh, the 50 hottest new bands coming in the you know that one who shop there <laughs> <laughs> they'll all go see Rolling Stone. Go see. everybody say I forgot to watch the Rolling Stone you know then uh, but even if the Rolling Stone were not playing that day it was let's say we put a festival and we say the 50 hottest you know artists UK artists coming out put them there I'll tell you, the place will be empty. Yeah? yeah. Then uh, you say, 
The Rolling Stones gonna be there. Even just just two Rolling Stone people gonna be there. The place is sold out. You know, in a minute. Yeah. Then when you're running a rehearsal studio, you're on the bottom of music. You are really you are the engine. Yeah, because we are the we're the ones who provide a place for musicians to write, to build, to play, like the training ground before you go play your game. Yeah. Yeah. Then we see everything. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't work in office. I I listen music every day. I see musicians every day. I see how the the things are changing. Yeah. Then uh, I'd say even if I quit now. I don't sell my stuff, keeping uh, whatever it is. And things get better, go back in again. Mm-hmm. I didn't lost anything because I got three thousand per rent before even even before even paid electricity. Nothing, even uh, even myself. I need to find the three thousand pound. Then if I get out, then I, then I have to wake up in the morning and think oh, I need to find these three thousand pounds. I just go work for someone else or do something else. What I'm getting though, uh, I'm getting. Just my salary without stressing to get, you know? Yeah. People say, oh, sometimes you're here doing nothing, this and that. Sometimes, because I got a job with my neighbors, and I'm like, sometimes being there, sit down, just thinking, yeah, what I'm gonna do next? Yeah. It's more harder than you doing something every day the same. Yeah. You see, and I say to them, I say, don't don't take my grant to see me there thinking because thinking is much harder than even you've been working doing. because work if you do it always the same it's the same you yeah know, you come and you know what you're gonna do me yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do uh, really because I'm planning for, for yeah we've taken this to a slightly bleak place, place. Mm. to try and end it on a slightly more positive note mm. taking it back to when you first came to London, mm. you're working at Cargo, you've got an interest in sound engineering. Do you remember a moment when the switch flipped from you being a novice, you just learning the ropes and having someone else teach you, mm. to you feeling like, no, I've got a handle on this, I know what I'm doing now, I'm in control. Was there a particular event where you were the sound engineer and you left feeling as though you earned that title, like you knew what you were doing? Um, the problem with me, I'm never happy with uh, whatever I do. Okay. I'm, um, Matt was saying to me, Sydney, you're good. You can do what you, you know. Like if not, six months, just there, boom, good job. Uh, but I never believe it. I never, um, never always had a doubt I was doing something wrong or maybe this and that. Never had that belief on me. Um, maybe the belief I would, I would, it would, it would, be, it would be built through the experience, you know, like I, I'd think I'd judge myself in a year time through all the experience because you still will have some bad days. Yeah. The thing is, when Matt used to have his bad days, I was there, and Matt would be half, you know, leave that band, you know, the idiots, there you go, you know, and uh, it'll be fine. But when I have my bad days, for me, it's like the end of the world. It's like I go home and stress out and think, you know, why the band was like that, why I did this, you know, or, you know, trying to figure out, you know? Yeah. When Matt is like, <laughs> and, uh, but why, what I was learning is, you cannot let things affect you all the time. Then, uh, but still, it affects me. I, it's not like I like be perfect in whatever I do, but uh, for me, when someone else came out with a smile or bought me a drink, mm-hmm. I did my job for that day. I was good for that day. Yeah. Okay. Maybe the next one could be a mess. <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah, when it's a mess, then yeah. uh, I didn't do my job. Then I'm not good. Yeah. You know? Then so those the, rare moments, it's not that rare, but those moments when someone would like get you a drink or compliment you. Yeah. That's when you felt like, okay. I'm good in that day. That, just that day. <laughs> yeah. That day I'm good. But then next day you're back to zero back and it depends zero. and we see what yeah. happens. Well, somebody else criticized you didn't like your job. Maybe it's near your foot, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's the way they do the, you know, they, they messed up, but they blame always the same guy. Yeah. And then uh, I'd say, fair enough, you know, oh, that day I was not a good sound engineer that day, maybe. But then but there's always the next day. His next day. The next day he's, oh, good, yeah, Sydney, you know? But uh, I remember, oh, I had a bad one last time. But, oh. um, 
I don't know. I've never been, um, never been a hundred percent. Always maybe a seventy. You know, always leave that gap. Yeah. Like uh, those bad days, I tried to see how I could have improved those bad days. And uh, less bad days I would have, then I'm improving. I'm doing better. Yeah. I mean, uh, after a few years. Yeah. After a few years, you you start building that belief because. You have to let people know. Actually, well, it's not my fault. It was yeah, your absolutely. fault. Yeah. Because it's a discussion where, for me, I, the reason I left Real Cargo really, it was more because when everything went well, yeah, the band's so happy, the band backstage, oh yeah, you done well, they're so happy, you know. But they will say it's them who did well. It's never the sun guy, yeah? Yeah. But when something goes wrong, they they straight to point to your finger and say, you're fucking <laughs> It was all you, you're yeah, the yeah. yeah, yes. Then, but when you do well, they never say the sun guy. It's, it's themselves. Behind the back, they'll say, oh, thank you, sun guy, you done well. Then that's the band. The manager's different. They, 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 they come and congratulate you straight away. What about your kids? Would you advise them to get into music? Or? Nah. No? Nah, nah. What would you say they should do instead? Uh, well, whatever they like, really. I mean, um, at the end of the day, if they like music, yeah, I wouldn't say no. But uh, they're not really into that too much. But uh, whatever they like, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to have a, you have to enjoy what you do, really. Have you ever shown them like this side of things? Have you brought them in, shown them? Oh, uh, Carlos grew up on this this year. But uh, Carlos, remember when he was little, he used to run to the room, say, "Sit down, come on, let's play drums." <laughs> and uh, when I walk the room, he comes with me. Oh. He's uh, a computer boy. Then uh, I mean, the other day I was saying, "You like, you like, you like games, no?" Look, why you don't learn how to making games, you know, and things like that. I'm just trying to put them in a situation where that that whatever they like, maybe one day can become a a professional, you know. That's what I try to do with them. I try to find out what they like. Try to see how I can make whatever they like to become a professional for them, you know. But I don't. I don't push them. Last time they say they want to learn how to play piano. The problem is, I need to be at home and and uh, teaching them. The problem as well is, I need to feel they, you know, they really they they have to bother me. You know, I'm on that, come on that, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, didn't go to that. <laughs> now the beginning it's a bit, you know. That, that's what I'm saying. I I really um. Uh, I really looking forward to the day be more time at home. Yeah, definitely that time. Yeah. You know, they're still kids. They 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 got they got the time. But I rather someone else to put their time and effort to cheat them, not me. Yeah. <laughs> I rather I rather say, yeah, you go, go, go. I don't mind paying a teacher, tutor. You know, those are the schools. You just put them there. You know, they you know if if it comes from that, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> me to go and teach them. Uh, so I can can you pro- play properly? You know and. Uh, I understand the the formula and I understand how to learn quicker, but how do you go and do it to someone else teach you? (laughs) Sydney, this has been, I could be here all day talking to you because you are a fascinating person. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for keeping this place going. (laughs) And I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you very much. All right, brother. (laughs) Thank you. Cool.